everybody. Melissa McKenzie here with Scott McKay. We are the Spectacle Podcast pair, and we are part of the American Spectator team. And of course, Scott has all of his other many, many projects, important things that he does. And of, the most important of all the things is this podcast on Tuesdays. That's right. Let's not forget it. The highlight of the week for everyone involved. For everyone involved. Um, okay, so today the there's a couple big <clears throat> stories. Interestingly, I think the Biden announcing for the, the presidency is getting consumed by the Tucker Carlson story out at uh, Fox. And of course, nobody cares about Don Lamont. Um, but we all throw him in there for some uh, you know, it's been a long time coming with him. Oh, but, I, guess, I guess Don Lamont will fill our quota of, of some sort. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> I mean, I'm, he's such I a... Mean, which is the only reason Don Lamont had the job that right. he has as long as he's had. So maybe we should, you know, leverage that to our advantage or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he. It, it, let's just put it this way. If he was some white dude, he would have been out. You'd never ago. have heard of him. No, he would he would right. be doing local news in uh, um Lake Charles, Louisiana or uh Nacogdoches, Texas. Yeah. And and would like never have gotten out of there. Do you think that a guy like Don Lamont makes other uh actually accomplished black journalists ticked off? It would me. Like if some guy like him like, got that perch at CNN and was just such a horrible human being? I don't know. I, well, my, my guess is the answer is absolutely yes. Um, but it would be at least up until like Monday, mm -hmm. right? It would have been extremely difficult to get anybody to actually say it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, no, Don Lamont is a hero of mine. And, I, you know, he, like he's a role model, blah, blah, blah. Nobody believes hero any of that. said nobody ever. Yeah, right. Like nobody believes any of it, but you might have actually gotten that as a response. Hey, what do you think? of? Because you can't exactly, you know, say, oh, that guy's an ass clown and he's terrible. And I can't believe that he's higher up than me. Like you're not allowed to say that. Right. right. And I think some of that kind of emperor's new clothes stuff um, is part of the reason he stuck around as long as he did, because the guy's awful. I mean, like, right. he's awful. His right. takes are worse than the callers to, like, local radio talk shows. Mm -hmm. Like, literally all of those takes when people call in, especially, like, late at night when the drunks call in, are still better than Don Lamont. <laughs> um, and he's, and he's, he's, like, but the thing about it is, like, the absolute worst interviewer I've ever seen. Like, Keith Olbermann was a better interviewer than, than Don Lamont. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, and I, I guess the straw that broke the camel's back with him at long last was the Vivek Ramaswamy interview Thursday of last week, which might have been the worst interview ever, um, with the possible exception of that poor guy from BBC who did zero uh, prep at all and then brought right. Elon Musk on and just got completely steamrolled. Um, 
I mean, this was the same level of preparation, but the BBC guy was at least somewhat polite, whereas Don Lamont is just babbling incoherently while Ramaswamy's trying to make a point. And I mean, like anybody who saw that interview is just like totally scandalized at the piss poor state of American journalism. And I think the CNN people who frankly were trying to summon up the courage to get rid of Don Lamont, mm -hmm. like they're like, okay, now we can do it, right? Like nobody's right. going to criticize us for getting rid of him now, right? Right. Um, and, you know, firing him on in the in the sort of in the lee of Tucker Carlson getting run yeah. out of Fox is, I mean, they, they like worked out perfectly for them. Except, you know, when you fire Don Lamont at CNN, you're supposed to unleash joy. And the Tucker Carlson thing completely ate that up because the people who like, I would watch CNN except I can't stand Don Lamont. Like they don't even get to be happy. There's um, not, no, there's no person out there who fills that bill. I'm trying to, what that- Well, that well okay, but we're talking about a small universe, Melissa, because there's a very <laughs> small universe of people that watch CNN at all. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you may be, we there. may be talking about 40% of the viewership of CNN. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, like four people out of 10. That's like a big number. Big number. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, I, like, I mean, that anyway, we, we're, I think we've used up our, our allotment of time on, on Don Lamont when he's uh, reporting on 4th of July parades in Enid, Oklahoma in his next job, then that'll be great. <laughs> Can't wait to know. see the Don Lamont app on uh on the google play store because i think that'll you know that'll get dozens of of subscriptions um whatever i think he'll be i mean he'll be he'll have to go into academia because no one it will uh, it'll give him the supply of small boy young men that he likes and also to harass and there'll be plenty of those who will be willing to do whatever for an a and then he can you know he can uh hop, skip, and jump over there with uh, Brian Stelter. Um, under under every circumstance imaginable, will Don Lamont have at least an adjunct professorship yeah. at some, you know, like I could see Georgia State jumping on J Don Lamont and giving him a some kind of journalism professorship. And like the rest of us will look at that and go, well, that just proved the old adage, those who can do and those who can't teach, right? Right. Um, you know, the thing about Lamont is he's actually from the Baton Rouge area. Mm. So it scares the hell out of me that LSU, which is run by a collection of left-wing freaking um, agitators, mm -hmm. would go and grab this guy. You know, they, they've already, they gave James Carville a... Um, uh, uh you know chair. adjunct professorship mm -hmm. uh, well they gave a, an endowed chair to bob mann who used mm -hmm. to be um a well he worked for mary landrew and he also worked for kathleen blanco as like the media guru oh. for her oh she wow. was the governor if you'll remember she was the governor of oh, louisiana when katrina hit and went on a hot mic on CNN and was like, oh, yeah, I think I should have brought in the National Guard, right, after right. Katrina. Mm -hmm. And then the entire um, narrative that Bob Mann, her media guru, had set up was that all of this, you know, disaster of the response to Katrina was all George W. Bush's fault. Mm 
Right. Right. When the state was the one that really performed badly. Right. And when she went on that hot mic, mm -hmm. like it wasn't a big national story. It probably would have been like now when you have like a conservative media that would have jumped on it. You right. didn't really have that in 2005. Mm -hmm. um, but like inside Louisiana, that generated so much outrage that Kathleen Blanco a year and a half later couldn't even run for office again. So yeah. Bob Mann had basically been an abject failure as a political communicator, right? So of course they give him an endowed chair at LSU. And it was like, oh, yeah, okay. So now he's in the journalism department teaching people how to be little Bob Manns, which has gone on for um, all 15 years now. Well, the thing is, is for these people, there's there's no shortage of places for failures on the left to end up. There's just there's just not. Um, yeah. The, if if you're right, a meritless individual, like that is the place right. to go because they will take care of you. On the right, though, where the the discarded tend to go is to make their own thing. I mean. Tucker Carlson has already done that once with the Daily Caller um, right. and the Daily Caller Foundation. And I can totally see him making it because someone, uh, I read somewhere that he's making 20 million a year at Fox for that show. And I can see him right. making infinitely more. I mean, I, I, I can't mean, remember what Rogan is making, but some obscene amount of money well, rogan's rogan's making i think it was what 150 million over four years or something was the contract that he got at spotify i mean um, I, can, I can see tucker doing even better than that being on his own well like he could repurpose the daily caller and have it be something like the daily wire mm -hmm. only it would be bigger right right like cons considerably bigger um I mean, and like, if it was me, that's what I do. I'd say, well, I mean, I have this news organization already yeah. and I'm just going to, I mean, like he, he's not really involved in it in terms of being sort of a, you know, fronting it um, right. or supplying content to it. I mean, you know, he's on Fox, but now that he's not on Fox, I mean, the thing to do is, is okay, well, here's the Tucker Carlson podcast at the Daily Caller and watch the traffic, you know, pop up and you do a five minute intro and then the rest of it is behind the paywall that people have to subscribe to. Well, I, you know what I was and it's, guys, Forget about it. I mean, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get 10 million subscribers in the first week. Yeah. Well, I was thinking you have Cheryl Atkinson. Uh, you have, um, was it Kelly? Uh, what's her name? The blonde. She was on Fox and she's got a podcast. Uh, Carrie Pickett. No, no, no. Um, uh, she's a big name. Like Megan Kelly. Megan Kelly. Right. You, you've got a bunch of really solid, well-respected journalists, and then you've got Tucker doing commentary. I don't see why you couldn't just start your own uh, network with these people and have a, a have something more formidable than even what was at Fox. I mean. People are looking for and, yeah. and do hard news like, you know, Atkinson and uh, Megan Kelly are no joke. You know, they each have. Um, oh, no question. Well, and I mean, you know, you, but 
but the thing is, is I don't think, I mean, and I, I'm not going to call you a boomer, but what I'm going to say is, is like, don't think of things in sort of like, a, I'm, I'm younger than you. No, I'm not. Yeah, I don't think I am younger. But what I'm saying is, is don't like, don't think of this in the, like sort of the context of, oh, let's start like a new cable channel or whatever, because mm -hmm. that's not, that's not where this is going. Where this is going is it's, you know, it's streaming services and it's, and it's, you know, sort of digital subscription content. Right. I mean, in other words, like, you know, look at what Netflix and, and, you know, Paramount plus and prime, you know, prime video, like, like what, look at what those guys are doing to um, entertainment cable TV, which is yeah. they, you know, and some of their, some affiliations there, but people do streaming now. They don't really yeah, do like, cable. right. And, and yeah. um, I think that, and I wrote this in, in the American spectator column I did about all this stuff, like, Tucker's going to do his own thing and it's going to be a streaming thing. And that will probably catalyze, um, you know, cause you mentioned Megyn Kelly. I mean, Glenn Beck is a perfect example. Like when he left Fox news, he started the blaze, which is essentially what we're talking about here. Right. Um, so I think like what you're going to see is, is like the people who've made themselves into brands for, you know, news media, Mm -hmm. are going to like own their own stuff and it'll be subscription based and it'll be streaming. Mm -hmm. um, because like, you know, you can pull all of that onto your TV. Now it's, it's not hard to do. Um, somebody is going to create an app that pulls all of those shows. And they like, in other words, the app is sort of a bulk subscription Aggregated. to like, everybody's stuff. Yeah. somebody's going to do that and it'll you know it'll be like 10 bucks a month and like everybody gets you know what whatever percentage of that based on the amount of views or, or whatever mm -hmm. and like that way you didn't have to do sales you just plug into the app and then the you know the app just like you pull up the app and it shows all the different things and you just cycle your remote around until you click on you know whoever's new, who's ever news show you want to watch somebody's going to do that and like everybody involved will make a killing off of that um and it won't this is the big piece it, it won't be advertising driven because the number one thing i think that the future of media is gonna be because the the present of media has been so abused the yeah. future of this is not going to have anything to do with ads um and because we've already seen the corrupting influence of this everybody has talked about the dominion lawsuit as the catalyst for Tucker Carlson getting fired. Right. That is not what catalyzed this. If anything specifically catalyzed it, uh, it was either Thursday or Friday last week when Tucker had RFK Jr. on, mm -hmm. who, you know, I mean, is among, uh, I mean, he's running for president on the Democrat side or whatever, but talk, I mean, uh, RFK Jr. has been the anti-vax guy, okay? Started out when, you know, some of that was kind of loopy, but all of a sudden the guy <laughs> like had a big point when he starts talking about COVID vaccines. Mm -hmm. um, and anybody who looks at this in sort of a rational way uh, or an objective way would be like, something's going on with pharma and the level of influence they have that they can get the government to force people to take an experimental vaccine 
right? Like that's outsized influence. Um, but here's the thing. And, and like, you know, you, you think of it in the COVID vaccine deal, but if you just watch, say, an hour of commercial television on one of the, you know, regular networks or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, anything, watch a ball game or whatever. Just, you know, get out a piece of paper and a pencil and just mark down every time you see, number one, a commercial, and number two, if that commercial is a pharma ad, okay, you'd be amazed at how much big pharma controls these, you know, cable channels and and broadcast channels. And, And, I mean, obviously that has an effect on the content of their news media. Um, I mean, they're the advertisers. And when those guys squawk, everybody, you know, wets their pants and and makes changes. And, you know, when Carlson has RFK Jr. on at the end of it, he's like, you know, I mean, I'm really surprised uh, or not surprised or whatever that these other networks won't have you on based on the fact that you've essentially criticized their advertisers. And then he said something like, you know, it's really good that our network won't do that. It's like, yeah, I think you spoke a little too soon because frankly, pharma is the only one of the big industries that actually will advertise on Fox News. You know, like you can see Boeing ads on MSNBC all the freaking time and you never see them on Fox, right? You see my pillow ads on Fox. But what you do see is tons and tons of pharma ads. And and Carlson really didn't even go that far down that road, but he was willing to criticize pharma. And I think that had more to do with this than anything else. Maybe. You know, I think that's as good a theory as any. I was just also, what made, so our case on with Tucker, so simultaneously around this news, uh, the DNC announces that there will be no, like as in zero, primary debates. So it wasn't bad enough. What now they there's did. a shock for you, right? Right. It's not bad enough what they did with Bernie and the, all the Bernie bros, you know, depriving right. him, whatever. Now they're just straight up rigging things on the left. Yeah. To make, you know, whoever is the puppet master of Biden wants him to stay in. And... Um, you know, Biden's hubristic enough himself that he he wants to be president and drop dead in office and give us the first uh, black president, Kamala. Well, I mean, but let's let's not let's not place too much agency on Joe Biden, if if it's okay. I mean, well, well the thing is, I would I would place zero agency on him. But every time I do that, Vladi Plajinsky, our executive editor, gets mad at me for, on behalf of all the <laughs> aging boomers saying. I think we're not giving him <laughs> enough credit for his, all the decisions that he's making and that yeah. he is the one in charge of this ship. And I'm like, okay, well, but the thing is with that, let's just say that. Sorry, he, sorry, Vladi, I'm not buying it. <laughs> I'm not buying it either. Not that, not to that extent. Here's the thing I do think about Joe Biden. He's mean, he's nasty. Yeah. He oh, knows yeah. how, how the game works. Utterly corrupt. Utterly corrupt. And he is shameless. He'll do anything which makes people in his orbit scared of him rightfully so because in that way he's um like trump i remember one conversation at a dinner in uh, dc 
and a senator who his chief of staff was there who shall not be named. Um, and he said, well, we're always af afraid of what Trump will say. And I turned to him and I was like, you should be. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, you guys have been screwing things up for years. You, right. you should be afraid of being called out. You deserve right. this. And he was right. like, uh, 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 he, he, yeah. You know, Trump he, didn't create the exposure you have. You did right, that. Right. Exactly. I'm like, you wouldn't have anything to fear if you actually just wanted, I don't know, once every 10 times. Right. But, um, anyway, back to Biden, they're really, I mean, and I do think that RFK is a legit threat. First off, he's got name recognition out of the gate. Second off, he um, has he's naming all of the sort of corruption that's bothering people on the left as well. Yeah. And so, like, I'm right. like, I think they're genuinely worried about this guy. And so what happened on Friday with Tucker was kind of a twofer. And also the, you know, the Murdochs, they are not con conservative. They like money. And right. so... But they politically, they are not at all aligned with someone like Tucker. And the, and right. Tucker has to go if, if the political um, outcomes that they would like to see are going to happen. You know, there can't be yeah. somebody with Tucker's voice and that. Plan no, look, what what that's right. He he has been a um, increasingly bad fit at Fox News. Yeah. You know, like every show pulls him further and further away from what they want, you know, and I think, well, look, what Fox News wants, they want hour after hour of Sean Hannity. Yeah, that's what Fox wants. They want sort of a controlled opposition. Yeah. Um, you know, what does the Republican establishment have to say about mm -hmm. things? Uh, you know, like we'll go ahead and trash the left. But we won't do it in ways that would mm -hmm. fundamentally change the conversation, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, it's yeah. just oh, so and so is a poopy head, and that's basically right. like the the. Whereas when Carlson would do it, mm -hmm. Carlson would talk about topics that um, would kind of cut across both parties, like right. you know, yeah, the left is who benefits from this but this is an establishment problem that right. both sides are and that you know that's like kind of uncomfortable when you know you're really just sort of taking cues from paul ryan as okay so like, what's the content of the show going to be and paul ryan tells you right which you know is somebody yeah, like paul you can't ryan, find ryan anybody on the board uh for a Fox Corporation, yeah. Fox Corporation, yeah. And yeah. like, and that's his job. Is he supposed to be like the conservative voice right. over there? You know, so you get it's you're really getting controlled opposition. And so, you know, Carlson's like an uncontrolled opposition, Did right? Like he's the kind of guy who's like, like 30, 20 years ago, fifteen years ago. Did you think that Sean Hannity was going to be that the toady over at Fox? Well, um, I'll put it to you this way. And I mean, look, and I don't totally dislike Hannity, but like Hannity was always, okay, there was Rush and then there was Hannity. Right. And you knew that Rush's stuff was like, 
Like nobody went to Rush and said, okay, you got to talk about X. Like the things that he would say, I mean, you'd listen to him talk about some subject for three or four minutes. Mm -hmm. And what you knew was that it was a very well-read and well-thought-out um, statement that he would have to say. Right. Right? Like, he had been reading um, all of the conservative things for a very long time, and he knew the philosophy inside and out. So when something came up, he had a frame of reference and a context and a philosophical grounding that he could spout off on any issue. Boom, 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 boom. Whereas with Hannity, it's like, you know, well, what's the latest thing? And I honestly, I think had it not been, and, and Hannity over and over and over again would talk about how you know, Rush Limbaugh's who made us and whatever. And it's certainly that's true in general, but I think it's also true in specific because Sean Hannity's show came on after Rush Limbaugh's show. Right. And so much of Hannity's success as a host was that he was parroting a lot of what Limbaugh would say. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm not making an accusation here. I mean, this is something that Hannity has said over and over again. So I think like Hannity's more like a functionary, right? Like, okay, well, this is what conservative thought is. And I know enough that I can like spout it, but I can't actually develop it. Like it wasn't Sean Hannity who read Angelo Cotavilla's um, ruling class versus country class thing on the air. Like it would have never occurred to Hannity to do that. Right. He might have a guest on who kind of touches on some of those topics, but like Limbaugh went and read it and said, you know what? This distills everything of what we're talking about. I am going, and I think it took him three shows to read the whole thing or whatever it was. Right. He said, I'm going to read this whole thing because my, my listeners ought to know this, right? By like this way, is, this is exactly was, it. That was written at the American Spectrum. It was, that's, it was, that was coming to that. And, oh, and this sorry, is like one of the best yeah. pieces that's ever been written at the American Spectator yeah. was that piece that Rush Limbaugh read on the air. But right. the point was, is that Limbaugh was plugged into the intellectual side of conservative yeah. thought mm -hmm. in a way that you'll never get from Sean Hannity. No. Um, yeah. And I'm not I'm not going to tell you that Carlson inherited that mantle from Limbaugh, but to an extent he did. And if you watch his speech that he gave at Heritage, which obviously was the last public thing that he did before he got the axe at Fox, um, yeah, like it's a much more um, thought out thing than you would ever get from a standard cable news host. I mean, he was just like, look, you know, I used to work at Heritage back in the early 90s and we would go right you know, white papers and we would match white papers with the Brookings Institution or whatever and mm -hmm. our white paper versus your white paper. And all this. that's nothing of what's going on now. Right. Just, now it's good and evil. Mm -hmm. It's like you cannot look at something like transgenderism right. in any other way other than it's good and evil. And he got into this really, really good thing. And I think he got from C.S. Lewis talking about like, what are the differences between good and evil? Like, well, you can tell them by their products. Because with good, you get, you know, lawfulness, you get peace, um, you know, you get order, you get cleanliness, you get all, like these, mm -hmm. these tranquility. And with evil, you get chaos and violence and filth. And, you know, like that reflects a level of uh, erudition, I guess would be a word to use 
that you just don't get from the kind of people that Fox wants, right? Tucker was on such a, a higher level than their other hosts. And I'm not saying they are, you know, like I, I like Jesse Kelly. I think Jesse Kelly's good. But Jesse Kelly's kind of sort of like a snarky comedian guy who has a show for an hour. He's going to make fun of the other side for an hour. And Fox loves that because it's kind of, it's shallow. I mean, it's just sort of light. Um, you know, Laura Ingram is just, barking Hannity is just barking you know Tucker actually went into like the hardcore hey let's challenge these assumptions Fox News doesn't want that you know and he's much better off on his own because he can he can actually build movements around positions that are based on a thorough examination of some of the you know issues that you know and if he's on his own like that message gets out how he wants it. Um, you know, and my guess is, is he's going to, I mean, if you're a, if you're, if you want to invest in media, would you not be beating down Tucker Carlson's door right now? Hey, what are you doing? Because please take my money. I mean, you already know this guy is going to freaking make a profit. So of course you're going to invest in what he wants to do. But the interesting thing is, is that in this like hyper woke, however you want to say it world, and I, I just, this is something that has stuck with me and I think I've talked about it before, but in, when we were in Desert Storm and we were overseas, Hollywood came out with like four anti-war movies while we had men fighting on the ground. And it they all got funding and they all failed miserably at the box office and they didn't care. The interesting thing yeah. about the left is that they don't care. And then on the right, um, they're afraid. And so, like, you know, we saw it with this whole uh, Budweiser thing, Bud Light, where the the powers that be on, in the conservative sphere, the Paul Ryans of the world, are freaking out. Now, thankfully, the grassroots people are still what, like, you know what? Uh, forget it. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, Bud Light's like 17% down now. It was 6%. Oh, they're getting killed. Uh, yeah, pardon? they're getting killed. Now, the they're stock has largely recovered because the institutional invector, investors are backing it. Mm -hmm. But, like, to me, that's, you know, that that's a level of arrogance that I, honestly is, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm good with it. But the but the thing is, is that level of arrogance is what gets rid of somebody like Tucker Carlson at Fox, who's oh who's, no, I get it. They, and, and, they slaughtered their golden goose. Well, and get you know, guess who owns fifteen point one percent of Fox Corporation? BlackRock. Mm -hmm. Okay, so but the point is, like these guys, um, you know, you're tempted to look at it. Well, these are the masters of the universe. And when they do these things, like they're going to ultimately, though, bad investment after bad investment after bad investment. I don't care how big you are. You're going to fall like there is such a thing as too big to fail. OK, um, or, or not too big to fail. Rather, there's no such thing as that sooner. or later, It's like it just takes longer. But somebody like BlackRock, I mean, it's a matter of time before, first of all, you lose all of the pension investments in every red state, okay, which is a big chunk of their money. Um, you're going to lose uh, 
like regular investors, the market itself is going to tank because the recession is coming. Um, and really, I mean, you know, you're going to have major trouble. The, the, I mean, what is it? Something like 20 more countries now one into BRICS. So when you drop the currency, all of a sudden, like the New York Stock Exchange is not guaranteed to have these massive returns or these stocks to hold their value, right? I mean, that money's going to go all over the world. Um, so like the underpinnings of these, oh, we can, you know, we can run our deal on ESG and don't even worry about a profit because we're just going to control everything. You won't. I mean, they own 15.1% of Fox Corporation. That's essentially a cable, a conglomeration of cable channels. Mm -hmm. Okay. Everybody's cutting the cord, right? I mean, when the entire media space is going to go to streaming, and you've plugged all your money into essentially the buggy whip of the um, media business, you're not smart enough to just dictate what happens. And this is one of the things I think where the landscape has changed. And I, I mean, I think you're exactly right bringing up the fact that the left made all of these anti-war movies about Iraq while we were fighting in Iraq. And they did it for pure partisan purposes to destroy the George W. Bush administration. OK, they might have been a little outraged about the war, but at the end of the day, it's about power for these people. OK, this was opportunism on their part. But they had the ability to control the market space at the time. I don't think they have that ability as much anymore. And I think it fades out over and over and over again. I mean, like they lose money on all of these movies they make. Meanwhile, you got these plucky little Christian, you know, movie studios that are like, popping out 10, $20 million worth of profit, everything that they put out, okay? I mean, Angel Studios has the Abraham movie, and that's completely killed it. And we talk about them all the time. It's just a matter of time. There's 15 or 20 of these little studios that are capitalizing themselves because they make content that people want, and the money flows in, and all of a sudden they become players. Because eventually, when you're good enough at something, you make a lot of money off of it, you get power, right? Money equals power in something like that. So like I look at this entire corporate media space, which is all about, it's built on the concept of gatekeeping. Um, and I mean, and I'm not trying to pick on you or anything, but like your first thing is, oh, well, these guys should go build a network. And it's like, you know, I, I had a whole bunch of people yesterday that I saw like, well, Tucker should go to Newsmax. And I'm like, no offense to Newsmax, but they don't have anything to offer Tucker Carlson that is better than what he can do for himself with a streaming platform. Right. Right. I mean, where Tucker ought to go, like where he really ought to go. And this is going to sound like weird. If I was Netflix, I would throw the bank at Tucker Carlson. I would say, dude, we will give you $50 million a year. Because if we have Tucker Carlson popping out a new streaming podcast mm. five nights a week, we're going to glue everybody in America to That's Netflix. True. Right? I mean, the amount of money that he would make them, right? They, you can't even pay him enough. Okay, because he makes your platform immediately. He yeah, he wouldn't go over there though, because they've had had all like, like these pedophile artists, which they lost a bunch of subscribers. Like I get it. 
But like my point is, is I would trade the pedophiles out for Tucker Carlson's. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I like, would too, but I'm not. And sure. Netflix needs to because they're not as profitable as they should be, right? Right. right. Okay. I'm like, you're the number one streaming platform. You should be making money hand over fist, and they kind of aren't. And so a lot of that is because the content on Netflix just sucks. Oh my god, yeah. it's so bad. Um, okay, so uh, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit. Um, so like I said, the Biden announcement kind of has got been buried by this Tucker news, which are, we're proving right here. Cause all we're talking about is Tucker. We spent more time on Don Lamont than we did with Biden. Right. Right. And the thing is, is I actually think Biden's got a good chance. I think he's going to be winning president. Mm-hmm. Um, he shouldn't, um, but like I'm the wrong guy to even be having this conversation with because I'm so freaking disgusted with this Trump DeSantis yeah. idiocy on the Republican side. Um, that makes me believe that you might very well be right. Because what yeah. I, I, I'm not even thinking about that because it's so irritating to me. You're you're talking to the right person about this. Because like I'm like, what are you doing? But okay, I get it. Um, I think Biden wins all of this just by simply not being them. And but it has. Here's the thing: I actually don't think that Trump or DeSantis matter. I think that the well, left has the whole system rigged enough, and the, the right. I don't care if it's DeSantis or Trump has done nothing to answer the structural problems that make sure a Democrat get elected. And so like, okay, for me, it doesn't even matter. I think he gets it simply because of how they have it rigged up. Well, you're, you're going to set me off on a massive rant <laughs> here. Um, okay. You've already got I, I will, a massive rant. I will start off. No, because I, because uh, a chunk of me absolutely agrees with you. I would okay. like, let me say this. The day before Biden announces for president, there's this, I think it was NBC puts out a poll. And it's 70 percent of the American public is like, please don't subject us to this freaking jackass for another four years. Like, right. like, please, he should not run, you know, like whatever. So the and and there's a but what would make me kind of like certainly not dismiss what you're saying and maybe even agree with it is the character of all of this, which is that team Biden and notice I'm saying team Biden because I refuse to say Joe Biden because I ascribe no uh, agency or competence to Joe Biden whatsoever. I can't believe you're denying him his agency. This is elder. Uh, the only the only uh, if you want to call it that you can. <laughs> I think Joe Biden was stupid long before he was senile. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the only thing this guy is good at is he's a shakedown artist. That's the only thing he's ever been good at. Now we find out it's, I mean, it's not just a family business. It's, I don't even think it's a family tradition. It's, I, I don't know what it is. He's got, what, a dozen members of the Biden family are on the take from China and others. And what did Comer say? So the Chinese are the most reputable country these guys are taking money from. Okay. Um, so there's an agency there, uh, you know, beyond that, I, I'm not sure how far I would be willing to go. You know, it's going to take them down. 
it's this uh it's this paternity well, suit right. in arkansas I well and that's well, yeah well i mean okay and this is you want to talk about the death of media right it's not even being reported that hunter biden has moved into the white house so that he's not being served papers right on this paternity suit with the stripper in arkansas that he knocked up and refuses to freaking pay her for his own daughter right these are the scummiest people ever to hold this kind of freaking power in america you can i mean like you want to talk about american decline in a nutshell is mm -hmm. hunter biden and the disgusting efforts to keep him from being held to account for the things that he's done okay you know, they talked I mean, about sarah palin being kind of like white trashy she her family was high compared oh to my, the Biden. absolutely they're I mean, this is, this is utter white trash, is Hunter right. Biden. You cannot get any more white trash so than this. So is Joe Biden. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean Joe Biden is a, is a dirtbag from, from decades Delaware. back. This guy's an unmitigated piece of crap, okay? I mean, yeah. literally, these are the worst people. I thought the Obamas were horrendously bad. I still think the Clintons are like a, a utter disaster for civilization. Right. And Neither of them can hold a candle to this this gaggle of slime balls that are in the White House now. Okay, <laughs> having said all that, um, and this this isn't a, a caveat or anything. Team Biden looked at that seventy percent poll right mm -hmm. and laughed. Mm -hmm. Ha! You think we can't do this? We're doing it, and it's the same mm -hmm. deal as it's been. Over and over and over again. We, we don't have the constitutional power to mandate that people take vaccines. Yeah, we do, right? And they turn around, like, and it's one thing after another. We're not even going to put our candidate out on the road. We're not going to have, you know, he's going to sit in his basement and do freaking podcast interviews. We're not going to run an actual campaign. We'll win anyway. I mean, it is just yep. one thing after another, right? Congress says, no, you got Oh, okay. You don't you don't like my budget? Fine. We will sit on our hands and wait until the freaking debt we hit the debt ceiling and have to default on it or whatever, and then we'll blame it on you. Okay. Hey, Joe, maybe you could negotiate with these guys. They put out, you know, their own thing, and you know, meet in the middle. No, we're not doing any of that. We're just going to sit here and let the whole thing go to shit, and then we're going to blame you for it. And you know. And we'll because we think the Republicans are weak enough that we'll be able to pull that off. And they yep. might be right. I mean, when 70% of the public doesn't want you to run for re-election, it's not like you're in a particularly strong position either, okay? But the arrogance of this is, mm -hmm. it's, we've never had a political party in this country that operated the way the Democrat Party operates now. And it's this is terrifying because any other political party, there would be voices in the room going, oh, my God, the voters are going to massacre us for this. You can't do that. Like you got to at least give them something. These guys, let me tell you what these guys operate like. These guys operate like a communist party in a place like China or the Soviet Union or Cuba. OK, or Venezuela. Are. This, I get it. That's, they are devotees of that philosophy, number one. But they have, they have, at least the way they think of things, they have so rigged 
the politics and the government of this country that they have they won't ever be held to account do you okay now, did you read victor wait wait did you read okay. victor davis hansen's piece yesterday about yes. what happens when you're already in a basically a socialist country i yes. mean it's it's done they own every institution that it's done so the the question is and the american people especially and you know who needs mal and his little red guard when you have college students here in america willing to do what they're doing and willing to vote the way they vote and and the and then you have the structural things with the mail and uh, ballot and then and I don't know if you want to talk about it, but how, you know how they're um, you know money laundering on the left, and nothing is accountable, and they know they can right. do anything. I mean, like exhibit A of this, where if you're on the left, it doesn't matter what you do. Um, what's his face? The actor who you know Alec Baldwin, who shot someone on his set. He shot the right. gun. He did not check the gun which is required and he who thought that he was going to pay any sort of price for that no nobody ever thought nobody that we know now that there are two tiers we know that if you are anyone on the left you're going to be elevated your voice is going to be elevated everything is going to be framed in the positive way for you and if you commit a crime you'll you know like the uh, brag in New York, who was bragging about sending a rapist away for four whole years after right. he stalked and violently raped a woman, like he should get some pat on the back. You're not getting any sort of punishment on the left. On the right, you can kind of bumble through the halls of Congress after the police usher you in and spend three years waiting for trial in jail and then another five, 10 years in jail for thinking wrong thing. I mean, this is crazy. We're not in. And so like, sometimes I feel like when I look at the Twitter feeds, it's like people are arguing over minutia that just doesn't matter. What Tucker was saying on Friday at Heritage was absolutely right. Yeah. And, no, it's, and what it's, he was- We're talking about good and evil. There's no question about that. Right. Um, anyway. I, I, here's the fundamental difference between uh, where you and I are, I think. Okay. which is, um, and I don't disagree with the way you characterize things. What I'm saying is um, it's a house of cards that you they're not going to be able to sustain this because they don't do any of the things necessary to sustain. Um, but they, they don't have to. They, they'll use... Well, so they, far they, they don't, but I mean... They'll use the... Uh, um, uh, the point of the gun that's what communists do next and then they use the gulag yeah. and what that's what they're doing i mean they don't yeah but here's the problem here's the problem what do you how are you going to get those 400 million guns out of american citizens hands how are you going to do it i like that's my whole point i mean i understand the progression of all this this is the thing everything that they run okay they destroy and i understand that the um the history of how a country goes communist or socialist uh is that you know that that there is i mean there's this sort of 
uh, destruction from within, and then it kind of collapses into socialism. But there's always this element of force there where there isn't enough force applied on the opposite side. This country is armed to the teeth. Um, and it and it gets more and more armed to the teeth. And the more the Democrats try to, to impose gun control on everybody, the more guns everybody buys. And it drives them absolutely insane. But, you know, people are rational. And when they look at this and they say, OK, you are making a bunch of monsters that could come shoot up the bank where I'm making a deposit. I'm damn sure going to bring a gun with me and I'm going to plug that guy when he shows up. Right. Um, or, you know, go harvest a bunch of kids at a Christian school and the people sending their kids to that Christian school are going to start homeschooling. Like the pub, this is the thing. The public is not bought into any of this stuff. They may be able to harvest enough ballots to win these swing state elections here and there or whatever. But if you like the Bud Light thing is a perfect example. Okay. People have decided we're going to destroy this company. Um, you know, I mean, I, you look at, at the changes in, in media, you look at, uh, you know, all of these things that are happening where it's sort of consumer behavior. Um, you know, I look at what has happened with Twitter. Twitter's got more people engaging than ever before. And I mean, they have done everything they could to destroy Musk and that platform. Um, and it doesn't, it's not working is the point. Now, from a governmental standpoint, are they running roughshod over us? Absolutely, they are. But the, here's the thing. <laughs> Law and order is breaking down, all right? So, yeah, okay, you're running, you're running, uh, uh, you know, running wild through the governmental sector as the governmental sector collapses. Um, you know, and in the Soviet Union, like you saw sort of the, how this all shook down was, the people that had all the power at the end of the Soviet Union were the black marketeers. Okay. They were the, they were the, you know, the gangsters because if you needed a washing machine, you went to them and they would get you a washing machine because if you had, you know, went to the government and applied for one, you would wait nine months. These guys could have one to you next week that would, you know, come on a truck through the Caucasus mountains from Iran. All right. Or something. And at the end of the day, they were the people that could make things work. And so the criminals were in charge. That's already true in every city the Democrats run. Okay. It's just a matter of time before you're going to have underground economy, underground media, your underground culture, and all of these other things, because these guys aren't any good at doing any of this stuff. This is my point. Everything in my life experience, you can take power without merit but you can't hold it without merit because people actually are going to expect something from you i'm trying to remember who the french philosopher um i would sound brilliant if i could remember the guy's name oh, um throw but the one point, out there. it wasn't there and no no this was this is like one of the older guys it was a Montesquieu or somebody and he's basically what he said was says you know the king better beware, because if he does a lousy job, they're going to come cut his head off. I mean, that was okay. essentially what the guy said. He said, you're going to have to give these people something in return for their consent to allow you to govern them. You can't just run the place into the ground. Um, 
Now, the difference is when the government has this overwhelming supply of force, you can do that. That's what Cuba has proven, for example. But it's different when you got all of these people that have AR-15s. Yeah, but the AR-15 can't. The bullets cannot deal with the technology that exists now. And I, I, I'm sounding no, we'll like- We'll find out complete, about that if it comes to it, because I don't yeah, agree with well, you. Well, I am being a Debbie Downer, but when 800 billion with a B is going to the IRS and not one penny is going to facilitating answers to taxpayers, for example, and all <laughs> right. of it is going to going after the- poor and middle class to take their money because of course the rich won't be bothered uh, because they have their accountants and attorneys and overseas banking and whatever. We are in a worldwide kind of cash crunch and economic uh, downturn on the precipice of it and all governments. So we're seeing this everywhere where Basically, people are being shut down, and America's no different. We mm -hmm. we have a a mentality, um, but it's really hard to shoot a phantom. There's so many ways that the government now is just tormenting people in yeah. a kind of. Um, I just can, don't think it can. I don't think you can sustain that. I mean, I just, I just don't think it'll happen. I think that first of all, you're going to have a real problem controlling red states where this kind of stuff is such a massive political win to stand against it. You know, like, for example, you have all these attorney general attorneys general, um, you know, my guy here in Louisiana, Jeff Landry's in on every single one of these big lawsuits going after the federal government for, you know, overreaches. Texas, Ken Paxton in Texas is in on it. Florida's always in on it. Missouri has been really good too. I mean, there's, there's 15 or 20 states. And I mean, they win, all of these suits, like over and over and over again, they win, right? I mean, they they file in friendly district courts and then, you know, they get good judges and then it goes up to circuits like the fifth where and they win and they've got, you know, the Supreme Court is, is there. Now, this is a slow deal, okay? But the point is, is that there are still people willing to fight and the fights are being had now. Are they being reported in the media? No. Um, you know, are a lot of these things concluded? No, because it's really only been the last two or three years where the, all of this has really gotten kicked in high gear. Um, but, so, you know, so, those things are ongoing. So you think that there will be enough energy in the next election cycle to beat back Biden? I think what we're going to see nationally is what we saw uh, in Wisconsin. I'm not sure. Which, which is the I'm not sure. Staying home. And well, and not because they because it's again, once again, not mattering. Well, all right, I'll say three things and I'll try to say them quickly. Um, the first thing is I see absolutely nothing on the part of the RNC or Team Trump or whatever uh, to effectively do something about the electoral deficiencies that showed up in 2020. And then to a lesser extent, again, in 2022. Okay. And, you know, and I wrote this months ago at the American Spectator. Don't care who the presidential nominee is. Get off your ass and fix this stuff. Okay. Right. 
I haven't seen a lot of of uh, of progress made on things like ballot harvesting and so forth. And this is the thing. If you don't have the legislative power in some of these states, states to do that, then you damn sure need to start building ballot harvesting farms right. in every evangelical church in America, for example. OK, right. I think the number on turnout among evangelicals in 2020 was like 52 percent. Mm -hmm. OK, run that up to 92 percent and then let's talk. OK, because I don't think if the Republican Party got its act even remotely together, I don't think the Democrats could steal these elections. I think they're able to steal them because our side does a lousy job at the fundamentals of winning elections. Okay. And I think our lousy job does a lousy job in this case because they would prefer Biden over someone like Trump. I think Maybe. the leadership. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to get into the motivational piece of this. I'm just going to state the yeah, fact that they're okay. lousy at it. Okay. All right. I mean, we can talk about whether it's intentional or whether it's not. It doesn't matter. You need to win the election, and they're doing lousy things. Now, here's the thing: if the Republican establishment is uh, intentionally lousy at the mechanics of winning elections, then that's a job that Trump's got to take over. And I don't see any evidence that he says, oh, I got 50,000 people in Steubenville, Ohio, when I had a rally. Well, guess what? That ain't enough, okay? You need 150 million people, not 50,000. And if you're not actively doing something that you're not talking about to go and fix this problem, in other words, I'm going to go turn out all of the Republicans in Georgia who are going to offset all of the Democrats in Atlanta, right? right. Then, I, like, I don't even want to hear about the complaints, okay? Because you're not doing the work, all right? So there's that There's that piece. Uh, this Trump-DeSantis thing, okay, which is ongoing and never-ending and increasingly stupid, frankly, on Trump's standpoint. I mean, these, these little truth social things and he's, you know, pop Florida is such a terrible state to live in. It's like, you live in Florida, jackass. You can live anywhere in the world and right, you live right. in freaking Florida. Like, right. stop it. And nobody, no, even your own people don't agree with you. They kind of snark. Oh yeah, he's tearing DeSantis up. And it's like, yeah, but guess what? The people that were kind of soft Trump supporters, mm -hmm. somebody like me, for example, like I was a cruise guy in 16, but I came aboard with Trump and I was happy for it. All right. I looked at what he did in, in the entire year of 2020, starting with the COVID stuff. And I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? He lost his mojo. He's, I mean, he stinks now. And then ever since it's been bad, okay? Mm -hmm. So, all right, if you're the nominee, fine, I'm for you. Stop sucking, all right? And I'm not by any means the only one who right. sees this. I wrote that piece, I guess it was last week, mm -hmm. about the whole Trump DeSantis thing. And I mean, it got a ton of comments and they were all people just like me. I didn't put anybody up to it. OK, right. there's a big chunk of the Republican electorate out there that looks at this stuff and says, stop, what are you doing? We're trying to get you know, like there may not be enough of us to win the election. We're definitely going to have to stand together if we're going to have a chance. And he acts like it doesn't matter. I got 50,000 people in Steubenville, Ohio. How can there be a problem? It's like. Dude, there's everybody but those 50,000 people didn't show up, which means they may not like you. So you better actually have all of your own voters. Then you're going to have to get some independence. So there's there's that issue I look at and it scares me. 
because it tells me the. I mean, I keep talking about if the, once the Republican Party is actually ready, it will take over the country and bring on a re American revival. But you can't do that if you suck. And right now, the GOP sucks. And I don't see that we're making any progress on that. The third piece is this. We haven't suffered enough. But that is going to change, okay? Because fairly soon, we're going to lose this war in this proxy war in Ukraine, okay? That's going to happen, all right? There's nothing, you either, you either start surging American troops in there, not the 14 special forces guys mm -hmm. that are trying to track down where all our weapons went or you know who the Ukrainians sold them to after we brought them. Mm -hmm. Not that, I'm talking about actual guys that are going to shoot. Okay, and not guys like RFK Jr.'s kid who was, you know, popping off a machine gun shooting at Ruskies. I'm not talking about about the little right. volunteer guys. I'm talking about deploying an infantry division in the Ukraine. All right. You, mean the one you either do that and then we're in World War Three or you're going to lose that. Okay, you're about to lose uh, the currency. You're about to lose it. And when I you do another article saying that that would be it's impossible. What for us to lose the currency? Yeah, that that it's here's a wild idea. Mm -hmm. Let's not find out. I know. Let's not find yeah, out. That's what I thought when I read it. I was like, the fact that we're having this conversation, it's kind of like you know, when people were throwing around the word nuke, and I was like, We're not supposed yeah. to throw no, no. around the word nuke. Why are stop we talking, talking about stop this? talking? <laughs> exactly, right? just stop. And then um, now we're talking about losing the petrodollar, and I'm like why are you writing an article and so confident that it isn't going to happen if it is not a possibility that it could happen? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, do you want it to happen? And they, oh, no, of course we don't. Well, then let's not make it happen, right? You can sit here and you can make excuses for having lost the petrodollar when what's a little bit better thing to do is to not lose the petrodollar, Right. And this is, again, this is, I mean, like, this is the world that the Democrats live in, which is, hey, how, ca how, how can we manage a fast decline, right? It's, it's one, of, I mean, they've been at this for a very long time. Back in the 70s, it was all about how do we give the store away to the Soviets, right. you know, without it, like, hurting too bad. And Reagan came along and said, I don't know. Let's not give the store away. And they're like, oh, that's crazy. You can't do that. He says, watch me. And he did it. And it was like, huh, okay. They were gone in six years. How about that? Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there is this whole thing, but the suffering is what is going to um, put enough pressure on these guys. Like we talked in the last podcast about like the, the office space in all of these cities, it's clearing out, right? The, that's the property tax base of these cities. What are they going to do when the office is office space is worth nothing, right? You're going to go charge a bankrupt co company property tax? You're like, no, no, you can't. You can have the building. We don't want it anymore. Like, and I right after we had that conversation last week, and I mm -hmm. can't remember whose piece it was, but I read this whole thing about Baltimore. Big giant, and they, you know, they did an entire development thirty years ago. Um, 
the uh, Inner Harbor in Baltimore, and they redid it, and it was beautiful. The Rouse Corporation did this massive thing, and it was like this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And everybody all across the country was like, oh, we need to get Rouse in here to redo you know, our little area, because what they did in Baltimore was just like this revolutionary, amazing thing with shopping and really nice condos and office space, and they built like this whole thing. And basically, you know, the, the TND... Uh, phenomenon in all these cities kind of came from things that the Rouse Corporation was doing. They did it in Baltimore. All of that's empty now. It's gone. There's nothing left. All of those things that were redeveloped in the 80s and 90s, all of these big office buildings that they built, everything's empty. You know why? Because they've run Baltimore completely into the ground. Nobody wants to do business there. Nobody wants to live there. And so it's empty. And the city of Baltimore is like, oh, what are we going to do? And it's like, I mean, there's nothing left for you to do. You've destroyed it. Okay. You ran everybody with a brain off. And what's left is basically something from Escape from New York. And they've done this in every city where they are. And the question is, okay, to an extent, this has worked for you politically. But you can't count on people saying, hey, what I really would like is for this to you know, turn into a state of nature. I mean, the reason you have these riots in a place like Chicago is because you've got an entire half of that city that's utterly miserable. Everybody goes to a funeral at least once a month. Nobody has a job that they're getting ahead in. Everybody has to put bars on their windows, can't keep nice stuff in their house, can't go buy a nice car. It'll get stolen. Everybody has to live like an animal in Chicago. There's no stores at Walmart just closed down all of their stores. It's a food desert. It's a retail desert. Nobody does business over there. So there's there's nothing. There's drive through fast food places. And that's what you get in Southside Chicago. Do you think anybody in Southside Chicago is happy? They're over here saying, well, yeah, but Brandon Johnson got elected. So like this is this is the radical ethic that's going to make, you know, that's going to make it impossible for me. Like, are you absolutely sure that you're going to hold these people forever? Because I'm not. Yeah. And I'm not saying they're going to start voting Republican. What I'm saying is they're going to stop voting. They're going to say, well, everything is political and everything is terrible. So I don't want to have anything to do with politics. And yeah, can you dragoon these people to the polls? I don't know. We'll find out. It's never changed in Detroit, and this problem started. But it has changed. Everybody left. Detroit Every, well, had 1.8 million people. It has 600 now. Yes. No, okay. No, everybody left. But that's my point being is that I don't think you get it back once you hit a certain tipping point. And a lot of these cities have. And and you we hit a recession going into this, and then it's going to be a really uh, big problem. Well, the okay, so but the other the other piece to this, um, which you know I think is more and more uh, likely as we go, and certainly if Team Biden pulls this off next year, I think starts to become more likely than not a lot sooner than you think. Is the whole national divorce thing? Like I think that that is. Um, that starts to become rather than suffer through another four years of Joe Biden. I think that starts to become in play. 
you know, you lose the reserve currency, you lose wars in, in whether it's Ukraine, Taiwan, or God knows where else. The border continues to be what it is, you know, because at some point the state of Texas is going to militarize that border on its own. What do you think? At some point, that, they I will. mean, that you saw that Obama, Clinton, and Bush started. Oh yeah. NGO. I mean, to I get bring... it, and it's it's like okay, so what's the response going to be to that when people start seeing this? I wouldn't want to work. I don't think it's safe to work for a company like that or an entity like that. People are going to know who they are and what they're doing. And I mean, I don't think it's safe. This is the thing. Why are they doing this? Why are the elites doing this? You don't get more elite than Bush, than Obama, than Clinton. Why do they want to bring in? I think the Bushes are on the tank. That's what well, I, think. I think. I've thought that for a long take, time. But is that it? I know, but I think specifically money. they're on the take. I, I look at Neil Bush and his little uh, pro-China outfit that he runs in Houston. Okay, mm-hmm. I think I think they're bought. I think that I think whether it's the cartels, the Chinese, um, you know, whoever you want to you want to throw in as the villain in this, I think they bought the Bushes. If they bought the Bushes, they certainly bought the Clintons. Um, I don't even know you got to buy Obama. I think anything that wrecks America, Obama's on board with. Um, and, and certainly I think that's all of that is with Biden. But the point is, I like, I don't know if you can pull that off without their, I mean, I think things get crazy at Maybe. that point. I think like somebody looks at this and, you know, does the whole Patriot with a rifle thing and says, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, I don't care. My life is is crap because I lost my job or what? And then they, you know, like take the, the, the matters into their own hands. And all of a sudden, you know, you start having crazy things happen, which I'm actually proud of the American people. It hadn't happened yet, but I think it's a matter of time before those are the kinds of things that start to happen. And at that point it, it becomes state officials who step in, in particularly in red States and say, that's it. We're not going to have this stuff anymore because, you know, the whole thing is breaking down. I mean, when the Roman Empire broke up, there were parts of the Roman Empire that didn't just, you know, disappear. They stood up a government and they took care of their own. Um, And I I think, you know, I think that's what you're going to start to see. And we already have states who are sovereign, who are, you know, I mean, it's not like if I'm Ron DeSantis, I don't even bother running for president in 2024. What I do, I spend my second term as Florida governor. I build Fortress Florida. And I start challenging the federal government on absolutely everything they do. All right. And I'm going to lead a movement of every red state, particularly in the South. Like, hey, we're not standing for this. And if we if it means that we've got to basically stand up a whole other government, then we're going to do it. We're going to do multi-state compacts across the board and you know if you guys will have me i'll be the leader of that and by 2028 if the country hasn't you know um found some bottom to where it is now i mean you pull a plug and it's done and we you know we have the red states of america or something and the federal government by then is so toothless because it has spent itself completely out of you know, any ability to, to, to influence anything. I mean, 
when the dollar becomes the peso, and the dollar will become the peso if you run up a $51 trillion national debt, which is what the Biden administration says is a good thing. Like, remember, they bring a budget and they say, okay, this actually shaves $3 trillion off the national debt. It's like, it goes from $33 trillion to $51 trillion. And you say that it's good? And they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You remember that, that we had that video of, of uh, John Kennedy and Janet Yellen. And I mean, he's just like, like, how can you even possibly say that? And she's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's everything's fine. OK, like at some point it crashes. At some point, the bond market tells you you cannot borrow any more money. And okay. when that happens, it's all gone. It's all gone. Okay? But the, yeah. And okay. the only thing that you can do at that point is devolve into state governments. That's the only thing that you can do. And we're we're getting there. It is, I'm not just saying it's in it, within our lifetime. I think it's within the next decade that we get to that point. Unless there is a radical correction that I think most people in the country would probably welcome, but they don't have the power, or at least they don't perceive it, to be able to actually make it happen. And I think Trump could be the guy that could get there if he would just sober up for a little while. I don't think he's capable of it at this point. But if Donald Trump were to say, you know, look, this guy ran on the basis of he was going to make America normal again. We're less normal than we've ever been. Yeah. And you know, they, they came after me with everything under the sun because this is what they wanted to do. Okay. So I don't need to talk about DeSantis. I don't need to talk about anybody else. I'm here to talk about Joe Biden and the people who control him and what they have in plan for this country. And don't doubt me on this because you've already seen what they've done coming after me. Right. Dude, this is not going to If he would happen. say that in a calm voice, he would win. He would, but it won't happen. Okay. So Joe, I don't disagree. I'm just saying it's so wide open, obvious. Right. What could be done? And he won't do it. Right. So Joe Biden for president. The next thing is to, to usher in our dystopia is what, so like uh, uh, one of our writers, Tom Ravy, wrote about AI and how it's already affecting religion and what happens when people interact with this uh, huge intelligence that's getting smarter all the time and is starting to teach itself how this is going to change just completely change the country i did a, a a small prompt over the weekend for chat gpt and it produced an article that not only was wrong in uh form it was wrong in substance which is fairly typical but because no one fact checks anymore and i purposely didn't like correct it like when I was interacting and it was saying, just talking out its rear. And I was like, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> I read the article. Yeah. I was like, uh, no, um, I left it to kind of prove the point to our readers that this thing is not to be trusted, that, that we have to be on guard. And then I am looking right now, there are already 800 plus. I'm looking at this guy who has created a um, spreadsheet of every AI tool that is created. And there are ones that will uh, imitate your voice. 
there yeah. are ones where you can have a conversation with yourself because you kind of train it and then you're talking. I don't know if you want to go crazy. And there's ones that will, um, um, and this one actually, I'm actually interested in where, it, you know, it's in a vir virtual kind of uh, customer service assistant. There's mm -hmm. ones that are um, help you create presentations and it's the, the, the artificial, the AI artist and the AI content, you tell, tell it what you give it a prompt. And it's, uh, uh, the photo can... and video stuff is, that's the thing that really impresses me and kind of scares me some. Like, for example, there's an AI app out there called Revive. Mm -hmm. And if you uh, load a picture of somebody's face into Revive, mm -hmm. you can have them sing, you know, like parts of songs, mm -hmm. um, you know, and like I'll, like, I'll give you an example of how I'm using it. Um, so we do a thing at the Hayride, the legislature's in session here in Louisiana every day. And we do a uh, terrible bill of the day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I mean, we're, you know, just there, I've got them lined up for three weeks, all the bad bills. <laughs> so many. And so, yeah. And so one of the things that we'll do is, you know, like I need a picture of the legislator who's brought the terrible bill of the day. Um, you know, and I got them doing like those stupid looks on their face, right? right. So uh, you can use Face App, uh, which will, you know, take a, a picture of somebody's face and it'll make, you can do like some facial expressions. But what I found out is, is that you do Revive, uh, which is this other app where they're like singing. And then you can make stills from the video images that that generates. Mm -hmm. And some of the facial expressions are just off the charts, hilarious. Right. And so I got dumb legislators who make like freaking stupid bills and bring in the legislature and I'm running them through uh, the revive thing of James Brown singing. I feel good. Okay. <laughs> and then I run through run it like it generates still images and I pick one I like, and then I run it through another app called pixel up, which is an AI sharpening app. And I mean, I'm getting like a photo quality image of some guy with a, you know, stupid look on his face. And I'm right. like grabbing that face, throwing it on the, on the featured image of the deal. And like, I get all these, like, oh my God, it's like, where'd you find these pictures of these people? I'm like, hmm. <laughs> like, well, and the thing a, is, it's right? not copyrighted because it's, it's a no. created thing. No, these, at least, yeah. these are like the, the bio images from the state legislature, uh, state legislature's website. And I mean, right. like I can, I can make them do anything. Like I'm showing all of these things to uh, so, some people I know this morning somewhere. And they were like, Oh my God, that's the most amazing thing ever. Right. Like, you like, you know, like you're making people smile who do not smile. I'm like, I know. Right. right? Um, well, you know, and it, is it, scary and a little dishonest yeah probably but it's like that's what you know like that's what's available and from how a creative long did it take you to do that five minutes yeah now that i've got it down and know what i'm know what i'm looking for maybe five it takes five minutes to create that crop out the face and then put it into the photoshop template that i've already got set up yeah that whole thing five to seven minutes tops mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's it quick. taken 20 years, even five years ago or three years ago to do this. It was impossible. It you couldn't do a, it. It would have taken a whole day. 
yeah, if you could do it. And then you had to have an enormous it. amount of talent to be able to like, mm-hmm. you know, airbrush that or do whatever. Now, I mean, it's, you know, and, and I mean, the the content that you can get out of that is really pretty good because, you know, this so it's kind of a funny thing. And, you know, it's, it's something that people have never seen. And so, yeah, it's like kind of a neat deal. I don't buy into the whole chat GPT writing articles and things like that, because what you said, it's terribly bad. Like, I just think it's, I think everything that comes out of that is it's drivel. It reads like an AP article. And I've always thought AP articles were abject drivel like oh ap style and i'm like no that's like unreadable style that's like it's 500 words of nothing um and and this is like worse than that yeah i think there's that but there are so many other ways and that ai can be used and are being used like for example I was watching some YouTube video and the ad that got thrown up there was Barack Obama's voice talking about colon health. And I was like, I am 99.99% sure that Barack Obama is not in any way involved or associated with this GI supplement that some, you know, Joe company is doing. I think that this is, there's no law for this. One of the right. things that I've pointed out is that there's no real, and and there's, um, you can't copyright this art. So like some artists- Not yet. Made, not yet, but like the law has, over and over has been that if an AI does it, even with a human prompt, so far, so far. Right. But you know- yes. some, yeah, I think, I think you're going to start to see bills get passed at the I state- I think so too, but I- but look at how stupid our legislators are when it comes to the tech that currently exists. You know, you right. have them asking these inane questions of um, uh, what's his face, Mark Zuckerberg, and Zuckerberg sits there like a mutant. He probably sends his robot to go do right. these things because <laughs> data. He, yeah, because he doesn't need to engage because they're so self-owning, and it's embarrassing. And so, right. like, I'm trying to comprehend. These, the, the legislators still haven't wrapped their arms around about what Bitcoin is. And right. and this has been around for how many years? I don't think they have any idea about AI at all, like what they're yeah. dealing with. And Elon Musk said that he thinks that there should be a moratorium right now on it. And mm-hmm. there's no moratorium. It's like the wild, wild west out there. And the tools that I'm seeing, at first I was kind of like, I don't know if this is going to be a deal. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a deal. Because the implications yeah. are, um, like I said, I'm looking at a thing that has 800 plus AI tools and a lot of them are amazing. Like, amazing. Oh, yeah. And so well, a lot I of mean, jobs just get eliminated. Well, like, you know, there's these AI art generators, okay, where, you know, you can, it's, you know, uh, Joe Biden riding a horse at the Kentucky Derby, right? And it'll actually give you Joe Biden as a jockey on, on I mean, you know, so, some of this stuff is like, you know, wildly entertaining. But, you know, the problem is, um, you know, I'm not even going to say in the wrong hands. Like if I was going to, if I was, if you gave me the Republican political uh 
you know, like all the money and like, okay, you get to run all these packs and we're going to go run the 24 election cycle, mm-hmm. handle the messaging. Mm-hmm. I would jump on AI like there's no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And I would pump out, I would pump out what the left calls disinformation at such a volume um, and just spread it everywhere mm-hmm. that uh, like, and they, you know, what, there's nothing he was like, it, this is not the Russians. This is not, this is like, this is a guy who thought up something and, you know, so asked AI to do it. AI went and did it. And then we just blasted it out everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, Hey, I want to, I want to show Joe Biden as a pedo. Right. Because guess what? I can win that argument. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I got Ashley Biden's diary that says he takes showers with 12 year olds. Okay. So I'm going to show him as a pedo in ways that make people freak out. And the Biden administration goes absolutely nuts. and going to say, well, it's fake, but accurate mm-hmm. because you are. Let's have an argument about whether you're a pedo. And I will I will use AI to, you know, have Joe Biden looking like uh, uh, Baphomet and the kids showing up. And it's, oh, that's terrible that you said. It's like, it's not really worse than anything you guys have said about Republicans all this time, right? And it's not even outside the mainstream conversation because you had Marjorie Taylor Greene talking about this on 60 Minutes, right? And she didn't back down. So like, this is in the mainstream discussion. So we're going to have this conversation and I'm going to use AI on this because I can, right? Like to me, and if you want to get a handle on something like this, that's how you do it because you would make the other side stop and freaking think on AI. Oh, whoa, whoa, we're going to hold this. Yeah, that's right. Cause you just lost an election. Somebody was smarter than you and figured out how to use it against you. And now you want to stop it. Right. Which is the same thing as ballot harvesting and all these other things. The Republicans. Do you really think the Republicans right now? Well, I'm hoping that they start. That was part of the this reason the thing, why. Melissa, I, yeah. Like you don't need the whole party to figure this out. No, no. You right. Know. You just need some smart people kind of at the top that have access to some resources to be able to leverage it. OK. I mean, and it can be a tiger team of five or six smart people that get this going. Yeah. And turn the, the whole, you know, the whole thing around. I mean, that's kind of how the Democrats managed to get done what they've gotten done. Right. Um, you know, but I mean, you know, you get some smart people with some money behind them and some good ideas and you can do something the other guys are not prepared for. Um, like to me, that's what you ought to be looking at. How do we disrupt this, this runaway train that these guys have in terms of corrupting American politics? Like, how do we jujitsu our way into making this a total disaster on their part? Because disruption is the way things work now. Okay, you know, there's no there's no inevitability. I mean, we've we've seen that, you know, you mean you think that, you know, oh, well, this is how it is. And it's always going to be that way. It's that way until somebody comes along with with this one, you know, wrench that they throw into or with this one weight that gets thrown into the centrifuge that makes it spin out of control. And then the whole thing gets wrecked and it blows up. Like that, everything about our society is at that point right now, mm-hmm. okay? Whether it's the supply chain or, uh, you know, journalism and media or um, nutrition, 
healthcare. I mean, like every sector of our economy is like teetering on the head of a pin right now. Mm -hmm. And all it takes is a little bit of a push and we're going to have a disaster on our hands. And, you know, to me, it's like, okay, well, let's do that to the politics. Right. And if AI is a weapon to do that, then, you know, yeah, it may very well be super destructive, but let's figure out how to make it super destructive to the Democrats first. <laughs> and, and I'm hoping there's enough people out there that are thinking in these terms, um, you know, like Elon Musk's interview with Tucker, right, which I wonder how much that might have had to do with mm. them ultimately pushing him out. But like one of the things he said is, is OK, well, I was involved in open AI because I wanted to get involved in this. And it got me called a speciesist by Larry Page at Google. Mm. He's like, I guess I'm going to have to get back in to try to build something to offset what OpenAI is doing. Right. <laughs> Which tells me that, you know, like, okay, here's one guy that's thinking in, the, in those ways. And he's not on the Republican side. But if he's thinking of, okay, we, we need to figure out how to use AI differently than, you know, the woke, tyrannical left is maybe that'll inspire some of you like okay well we got to use this in a political sense to try to balance off what the left is going to do with it and you know how do we do this because the side that's in power is the one that has the most to lose right and like you can how it's not been done and I like you look at greg godfeld has done a really good job lambasting joe biden and and lampooning him um and it's, you know, it's done very well for him. He's got the top rated late night, you know, news show or a late night talk show. Uh, but I don't think that there's been anywhere near the amount of energy put into ridiculing Team Biden that there could be. And come 2024, I mean, ridicule is going to be the name of the game because, like I said, we haven't suffered enough. Give it a year. Right. And then people will have a big appetite for that because... Let's face it, somebody who makes you suffer, you want to at least make fun of them. Well, you would think. I um, I, I am always uh, impressed by your optimism. <laughs> and well, it's not even optimism. I just is, think there's ways, to, there's ways to make decline pay for itself, right? <laughs> like, I mean... I'm, I'm not talking about making America better anytime soon. I'm talking about making people suffer for what they've done to America. Mm. Um, and that shouldn't be that hard. I mean, when everything goes to shit, it's not that hard to make someone suffer for things going to shit. Um, and like, to me, I think it's inevitable. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't think there's this inexhaustible well of benefits that someone can get from ruining things you know it's just that 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 doesn't make sense to me and then when you look at the people who are doing it now they don't come off as the most brilliant folks out there but right like any brilliance to destroy i mean satan doesn't have to be smart he just has to be able to be clever enough to wreck things no i, think, I get that you know, i get that but like brandon johnson is not satan Brandon Johnson is some dumb guy with radical politics who has now got a tiger by the tail and is going to be responsible for the next four years of Chicago's decline. All right. Right. That's not going to end well, ultimately, for him, is my point. It didn't end well for Lori Lightfoot. All right. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, yeah. Will Chicago completely fall into the river? Absolutely it will. The question is, does anybody make out scot-free from that? And there may be some people that can make some money off of it, but the people who are seen as in charge, they're not going to make out well at all. Brandon Johnson's probably going to get indicted and convicted by Democrats in Chicago as a scapegoat for what has happened to that city. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, on that happy note, that will the the something to look forward to is that we'll all be paying for our sins <laughs> and and experiencing pain, yeah. um, whether we voted for Biden or not. Um, so, what I would just say is the last note to the people watching this is I know that AI seems like this magical thing. It really isn't. It's technology layered on top of technology that already exists. That's right. But it's worth learning about so that you can have a conversation and understand it because it's important. Um, our young people will grow up with this passively. You know, when people when Ford made the the car, you know, back in the day when they were, they were rolling out on the on the line and industrialization started, it seemed unfathomable that that horses would be replaced. And the first people who started with cars and had that very simple crank engine understood how they worked, uh, generally speaking, because it was a fairly simple mechanical device. Now, you know, a car is a driving computer and you right. really have to have some understanding of the foundations of it. Now, if you understand the concept of an engine and a transmission and some basic ball bearings and, and um, you know, the frame of the vehicle, whatever, you do have a basic understanding. What I'm seeing now is that, you know, having come through the internet age and seeing how it started and learning, I learned to code in basic back in the day when I was like in eighth grade or seventh grade. Um, but seeing how the com the computer age started and having some foundation and actually, you know, the how it goes helps people understand what's happening now. You come in later to that technology and it's always existed and you don't even know how it started and does it matter if you know anyway. Right. One of the things is, is that it will be important for the people who exist now to understand where this AI stuff started in order to understand where it goes. And it, it's not beyond people. Um, if I can kind of get a grip on what's actually happening in these different things, anybody can. And I'm hoping that if there's any elected officials watching this, that uh, I'll put a link into, you know, below the podcast to the 800 AI tools that it's a spreadsheet so that if you are an elected official or you own a business or whatever, and you want to kind of learn about these different things, you can. Um, but th this is where we should be. We shouldn't be running away from this technology. We should understand what it is, its limitations and its potential. Um, what I've seen over and over again on the right is that the left embraces these new things and the right always is playing catch up. So like when Obama for America started, Facebook gave Obama and Obama for America all of their user data for free. The GOP didn't even know how to use the data 
and couldn't fathom it really. And this was at a time when, when Twitter first started, where you could see, I remember being able to see where people, they didn't realize that they had location data automatically turned on on Twitter. And if you didn't actively turn it off, you could literally see people in their cars turning left at, you know, on Broadway <laughs> down in Manhattan. I mean, it was really kind of creepy. I mean, you could like have a whole, you, you could like little bugs where they're going because you could see if you clicked on their location, what they were doing. Um, that data, by the way, still exists. It's just not publicly available. But at that time when everything started, people really didn't understand the implications. AI yeah. is in that is in that place now, and it would do well for the GOP uh, to understand what's happening. But it also the common citizen needs to understand this, not only to automate parts of your business and make it easier, smoother, and whatever. And there's a lot of tools to do that, but also so that uh, you can have intelligent conversations with legislators and um, educate them because they're not going to know what's happening and not know what to do about it. And right. like, and we're seeing this with like the whole TikTok suit where they, where Lindsey Graham was completely caught flat footed and didn't realize that his own sponsored legislation, he's basically the government infinite power. Well, he didn't understand it, but I guarantee you the left guy, lefty guy who crafted this legislation and he signed off on a hundred percent did. And so yeah. then the little techie people on the right and the libertarians who are like, uh, excuse me, uh, sir, uh, you just kind of gave away all Americans' uh, rights uh, to free speech. Free speech is gone because of that. And they're like, well, we're trying to get rid of TikTok. Well, okay, then make a bill that says TikTok is an agent of the Chinese government, which it is, and we're not using it. It's illegal in America. Okay, that a very clean, small bill, everybody votes on it, bada bing. Right. But no, they have to create this big one because the tech giants in America want power to stop the speech of people. And of course, legislators on the left, as we see with like AOC and Chucky e. Schumer, who are like, yay, Tucker's off the, off the TV because we are fascists and we want to be in charge of who can say what. And that's what that whole, um, uh, you know, really bad bill that you need to make one of those like faces. I, w I hope you do that for the American Spectator, by the way. Make a face oh, yeah. of, of um, somebody with that legislation doing a TikTok dance or something. AI generates it. Um, and, you know, that, that legislation is a Trojan horse to kill free speech. And so we're going to have... Uh, AI is infinitely more powerful than even TikTok and the the potential for its uses. And here's the thing. This is why, you know, Elon Musk is having kind of a cow. In some cases, the medium is the message. The the What you're using so changes that your behavior, that people's brains change and they become changed in... Uh, because of it. AI, I think more than anything we've ever faced technologically has the potential to change us body, mind, and soul. And it will absolutely change human relationships. There's no question about it.
and the relationships with technology, relationships with each other, relationships I mean, I, spiritually, yeah, the, everything. Well, there are all these like <clears throat> they're talking AI chatbots that have come out now. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to like you have all these lonely people mm-hmm. that are just, oh, well, I'll just have AI friends who kiss your ass. And it doesn't matter how like antisocial you are. The AI adapts to you and you can't make it upset enough that it'll drop you. Right. And so you have people that are just worse and worse and worse from a personality standpoint and an empathy standpoint and so forth. The only interactions they have with other human beings are on social media. And, you know, those go badly because even on social media, they're too obnoxious. But then, you know, their AI friends are all fine with it. Right. And so they're out in public and they have nothing but negative interactions with their fellow humans because they don't know how to do it. Well, they don't have any practice. And then they, they manufacture, and this is already happening, uh, down in some South American countries, they're talking about um, making illegal certain sex uh, toys like robots, almost like people, because they look so much like people. You dump an AI into the brain of this and... Um, you know, so they're talking it's, back and it forth. Is, now you have androids. Now you have androids. And Not the phone android. I'm talking about the real android. Real right? androids. And, and they don't even have to do anything. In fact, you know, for some people, it'd be better that they don't. They just sit there and they're, they're a kind of disembodied, or in this case, bodied voice talking back and forth with a facsimile of interaction. Yeah. And... So, and how, you know, in part, the way we have gotten the transgender movement, aside from becoming secular, people not being grounded in real truth and all of that, um, th- you have people who are lonely interacting with other people on the internet and somebody finally, you know, you've got these creepy old guys. I just read this article by this guy and he was saying this, this these old he was this gay young autistic guy and they were all lavishing praise on him and saying how be and he was thinking that maybe he was a girl now and they were like you'd be a beautiful girl do it before you you know really sick things right people who are absolutely malicious will now imagine the sickest people in san francisco valley and silicon valley coming up with they're the moral because this is a conversation I had a couple, you know, year or two ago with people talking about AI. Technology is only as moral or ethical as its maker. And I don't That's know right. if you've looked around at the human beings you're surrounded by lately, but right. there's a lot of psychopaths. And the and the problem is as time goes on, the people, you know, the nerds who are in these rooms by themselves making their idealized version of themselves because we're also narcissistic, we are getting uh, technology that isn't conforming to like Asimov's four laws of robotics and right. doesn't put humanity first. Elon Musk is pro-human at the, at the un- release. He's a speciesist. He's a speciesist. What that means- <laughs> Like that's that a bad thing, right? Like it's a bad thing. But there are a lot of people in Silicon Valley who are like, look around, Human beings are pretty pretty awful. Um, let's get rid of them and make a better species. And right. and that will be what our children and our grandchildren have to deal with if we survive that long and don't 
you know, the, and the AI doesn't decide that all humans right. need to be kaput. Well, and I mean, and this is like part of the problem. It's the same thing that you have with the, you know, sort of the the, the ideology of of the left and in a political sphere is, is they just assume that they're going to be the people that run things. Right. Right. Like, the, the, you know, they never assume that they're going to be the one with a frown on his face standing in front of a ditch waiting for somebody to shoot him in the head and drop him into it. Like right. that guy's always surprised. Like, well, right. wait, no, you can't do that to me. I'm one of the intellectuals. Right. I helped you get there. And it's like, yeah, Stalin didn't really care. Right? right. And I think that's part of the problem. You have these, the nerds in Silicon Valley who put this toward AI and they're like, well, this is going to make my life great. And it's like, you know, you don't know that, right? Like, I mean, you're running away with this technology that is morally neutral at best and probably not even that. Um, and how's this going to work out for you personally? Uh, and the answer is, mm, it's not, that's not settled, right? Like, uh, you know, you're some guy, hey, I coded all the AI. Again, yeah, now the AI codes itself, right? Well, and you've lost just, control of the technology and all of a sudden you don't benefit from it anymore either. And it didn't matter what you did before because um, that's what happens in revolutions, right? I mean, you just, you just never know how it's going to go. And there's usually a lot more people that come out badly from the revolution than come out well. And that includes the revolutionaries. Um, and, you know, I don't think anybody over there has thought any of this stuff through. I think Musk is like starting to um, and he's terrified by what he sees. Well, you know why he's terrified is because, you know, what Zuckerberg did? He fired his whole ethics department. And you know, know. what his number one goal is right now? You know what his main obsessive focus is? Is building the perfect sex robot. Yeah, he, that's all he's working on right now. That's it. That is what Facebook, your Facebook money. That's what it's going to right now is that. Right. And so like this is not yeah, like it kind of went from the metaverse to that. They're starting to realize the metaverse is kind of like. Too much. Right. Well, the, I mean, the, it's the too creepy is, for people. Yeah, but it also doesn't have the benefits that you're wanting because it's clearly. Uh. It's cartoonish. It's literally well, cartoonish. It's, it's, I mean, it's cartoonish, but it's also like the Matrix. And when that first came up, it was like, like yeah. you know, what I know about this is that movie <laughs> the Wachowski brothers made, and yeah. the Matrix is bad. So I don't really want to be in the Matrix, right? I, I, had, that, I, had those movies not come out, <laughs> Metaverse might have actually had a shot to be something. But there was already a negative connotation to it by the time that they developed it. I think the movie that people should watch that is the most likely kind of future is Ex Machina. Oh, um, I was just about to say that. Yep, Ex Machina. Excellent, is, excellent, it's excellent. An excellent movie. And it's and it's watch it with your teenagers and have discussions. And right. then one another movie that I think is also worth uh, or TV show that's worth watching is called uh, Altered Carbon. It's on Netflix, and um, the, the reason why I think they're important, you know, they're they both have some violence, and and 
uh, not good things in them, you know, some sex in them too. However, I think that they're the way that they're viewing consciousness. I mean, Elon Musk has already said that he's downloaded his consciousness to computers. Okay. How, right. Whatever that is and how that manifests. I assume that uh, what we're seeing in sci-fi and everything is already likely being done in a lot of ways that we, the commoners don't know. So that assumption has to be there that some of these things are already way, way, if we're seeing chat GPT and all this AI stuff, the ability of these things is already beyond what we're seeing. We're just not seeing it yet. It, it, you know, like a couple of years ago, you know, whatever, whatever sex doll company it was, had invented the, you know, like the sex robot, right. That talks to you mm -hmm. and, you know, it pops off and it's, I think it was like the daily mail had this and it went around and it was like, and it popped off and it said, Oh yeah, it's just a matter of time before we enslave all the humans. Right. And everybody was like, okay, first of all, it's a sex doll. So that's gross. But second of all, mm -hmm. did y'all put this thing up to say this? Cause it's not funny. Right. You know, like everything about this is terrible. Um, you know, and it, but it appears like a, a kind of robotic looking really hot chick who talks about enslaving all the humans. Right. It's like, okay, for this to have any cachet with anybody, they have to be sickos. Right. Um, you know, but like that was a couple of years ago. How far along is it now? Right. right? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I love that you brought up ex machina because, um, and I don't want to do spoilers if you haven't no, seen it, but, but just think of it this way, like, um, you know, and of course the robot is Alicia Vikander, who's freaking hot. So it's like, oh, how cool would that be to have that? It's like, yeah, how do you know it's nice, mm -hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, it might not be nice. You might have this thing that's like bad, like, you want to have a robot because you think people are mean. Well, guess what? People get raised and they have like this long kind of runway of being a kid and like learning, hey, if you piss people off, they may beat you up or whatever. So there's a certain amount of regulation of human activity. Right. This is something that just popped out of a lab that got programmed by a geek who mm -hmm. went into this because he didn't want to deal with other human beings. Mm -hmm. What makes you think that that machine is that achieves some degree of sentient? What makes you think that it is going to be, um, you know, lawful in a way that, uh, you know, makes it beneficial to you, that it's going to like you, that it's going to treat you well. Oh, but it gets programmed to do that. Yeah. But if it's AI, right. And it, it learns and it teaches itself, right? And, you know, and you act badly the, toward it. And the thing is, its body of knowledge isn't like the Bible. It's no. body, uh, the body it's of everything knowledge that's on the internet. All knowledge of humankind that's been on the internet. And it doesn't paint a very pretty picture exactly. of humanity. Yeah. What if it, what if it, like, what if it's, it's sort of, you know, consciousness that it, that it comes with is Twitter. Have you been on Twitter? Right. Every, Do you know how every, awful that is? Well, every time they've run AI specifically only off Twitter, they've had to shut it off because it becomes like a racist idiot, a, a terrible human being is how it turns out. I get it. 
And so that's that's what I'm saying is, is that, well, we're going to use the Internet to develop the consciousness of this and that it'll learn because it'll it'll access it. I mean, AI is going to do that before you even get to the point of robots being able to do it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, which it's it's the same thing because all a robot's going to be is AI with a body attached to it. Right. Um, you know, so that like but the point is. And I don't know that anybody over there in Silicon Valley or any of these other places that's working on this, like, I don't know that any of these guys are like, okay, we're going to have to figure out how to regulate this so that it conducts itself as a nice person as opposed to, you know, some tyrannical, you know, psychopath, which is what you would think of human beings if you saw them in social media platforms or even internet message boards or any of that, nobody acts well on any of that stuff. The only time you get people acting well toward each other is when they're face to face, generally speaking. Um, and I don't know how, if I'm an AI designer, I'm going to be able to gauge through that mm -hmm. and do anything. Yeah. I mean, like what, you know, what are you doing? Are you going to be putting, uh, microphones in bars and recording the conversations people have when they're hitting on each other and trying to be nice. And that's how you build in some level of empathy. And like, I don't know where you get it because you're not, you're certainly not going to be putting microphones in churches. Um, and so like, you're never going to get the best interests or best instincts of humanity showing up in an AI framework. Yeah. You're just never going to get it. Um, and that's the thing, all of this that scares me the most is you're developing this technology, but it's coming from a really, really, really terrible place. And there's no way it's going to do well. There's, And I'll close with this because I know we're going on forever. But um, there is, uh, I'm like ran out of things to watch. Uh, and so I ended up picking up Star Trek Picard on Paramount Plus. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching the first season. And essentially what it's about is, you know, Data, who was the android that was in the crew. Mm -hmm. um, Data dies, but uh, before he dies, they figure out how to get like a sliver of his brain and use that as like the seed that they can then um, create other androids. And along the way, um, there's like this bad thing that happens. And so they ban uh, synthetic life, mm. which is essentially, you know, this. In other words, you know, they, they, they get to the point where they can actually make a flesh and blood android. Mm. Uh, but that gets banned. And I don't want to give spoilers away, but that's the subject of uh, the series, or at least the first season of the series is that, you know, Picard who's retired and like wasting away gets brought back into this because it's basically data's kids that he's trying to protect. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's fairly well written and gets into this entire subject that we're talking about. Um, albeit from a little bit of a creepy framework in that the synthetic life people are actually the nice guys. Now, I don't know if it doesn't turn um, because it does kind of set it up so that I can see how it does turn and becomes bad. Um, but like, you know, the Romulans are the bad guys because they hate the freaking synthetic people. Right. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I it's no, I don't. I've never been Team Romulan, but maybe I will be now. <laughs> well, it's like because supposedly the Romulans two hundred thousand years ago did this, and it was bad, and so they've like, oh, okay, well, this so can't be done, and so we're going to stand in the way of any of this ever happening again, and all the rest of it. But you know, so the point the point of it is is like this is they're actually addressing this, and it's a, a relatively intelligent way that they're going about it. Um, and it may, I don't know, maybe everybody in Silicon Valley needs to be watching Star Trek Picard before they go any further with AI. I don't know. Well, so we'll have some links for y'all in the, um, you know, the box underneath the, our, uh, podcast, please like, and share everywhere, subscribe, all of that. This is, this podcast once again has gone in a direction, uh, unexpected. Well, we talked about it last time, so we did expect it, but this is a topic that is not probably <laughs> part of most political conversations, but it should be because it's going to be a very important part of the conversations as we go forward as a culture and society. Yeah, um, well, we start we started with organic stupidity from Don Lamont and Joe Biden, and we ended up with artificial intelligence from, you know, robots. So Right, exactly. It's a so, hell of an evolution. Hell, yeah. I, and are we evolving at all? Um, thank you for listening. Like and subscribe. Share with your friends and family. Um, and we really appreciate it. Scott, we'll see you next week. And uh, maybe I'll feel more optimistic then. I just have not been feeling that very optimistic. You haven't yet. I haven't I yet. When, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, maybe the um, something to look forward to is the Butlerian Jihad. So there we go. Hey. And that's a Dune reference for, for people. And you can read that in the book too or watch the movie. Anyway, thanks all for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.